Let me tell you a little bit about home title lock. If you if you think your home is safe, we're living in a time now where people can steal your home and nobody is looking after it. Only one company, one company, it's home title lock. This company is uniquely positioned right at the digital vault door where all of the uh, titles go in and out when they are when they're sold or bought or changed. And so if your name is on their list, they see your title going out that vault door. They immediately contact you. And if it's a bad guy trying to steal your house and leave you with the debt, they've got you covered. Get your $100 search for free. Make sure it hasn't happened already at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Do you remember when Joe Wilson uh, came out and said, you lie to the president during the State of the Union when President Obama was saying, we are not going to cover undocumented or illegal immigrants. We're not going to do that with health care. And remember, he said, you lie. And that was the worst thing that you could possibly ever say to the president. He's the president of the United States. And he was forced to apologize. Well, looks like uh, once again, he was right. In fact, it's worse now. We have Joe Biden yesterday saying we have to. We must provide illegals. Uh, with with healthcare, we have to do it. It's our responsibility, is it? We're to show you where this socialist nightmare always ends in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. Let me tell you about X Chair. Now, here's a company that uh, understands the free market, understands that you've, you know, you most likely have spent all of your working days sitting in a really crappy Staples chair uh, where you are uncomfortable and they bought it because it was cheap uh, and, and you're miserable because we spend most of our day, in fact, we spend more time in our chair than we do in bed sleeping. Uh, but we spend most of our time in this chair if you're working in an office. X chair has revolutionized chairs. Now, I have had every kind of chair you could possibly imagine. This is the most comfortable office chair I've ever had. You can have it at home or at work. Just check it out for yourself. They have a 30 day money back, no questions asked guarantee. It is xchairbeck.com. You'll get $100 off. If you go to xchairbeck.com or call 844-4X-CHAIR, read all, of, all about it. You'll see how great it looks. Um, you know, that's why you could have it in your home or your office. Uh, it's a great looking chair, but the adjustments on it are crazy. It is such a great chair. $100 off right now at xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. By the way, if you use the promo code XWheels, you're going to receive a free set of the new X wheels on your chair, which are really, really smooth and, you know, fancy ball bearings and everything else. You'll get that for free. Just use the promo code XWheels and $100 off now at the web address of X chairbeck.com Boy, we've got a great show for you today. 
we have uh, we have John Douglas is going to be on with us. You may not know his name, but if you read the New York Times bestseller or saw what is it? I think a Netflix show, Mind Hunter. This is the guy who has interviewed David Berkowitz, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Charles Manson, uh, Lynette Fromm, uh, Ed Edmund Kemper, James Earl Ray, Sirhan Sirhan, Richard Speck. I mean, all of them. He's the guy who started the um, uh, the behavioral science at the FBI. It's going to be a fascinating interview. Also, Dave Rubin is going to be joining us today uh, and Blake J. Harris uh, on more on Facebook and and his book, The History of the Future, coming up. But I want to I want to start with can, can we play the audio of of Joe Biden where he is? He is talking compassionately here about how America must now provide health care for people who are here illegally. Look, I think that. Anyone who is in a situation where they're in need of health care, regardless of whether they're documented or undocumented, we have an obligation to see that they're cared for. That's why I think we need more clinics around the country. And this idea that undocumented, and by the way, a significant portion of undocumented, undocumented folks in this country are there because they've overstayed their visas. It's not people breaking down gates coming across the border. Okay, stop. And- Either way, it doesn't matter. Y- here's the thing. If you want socialized medicine, then you must have a secure border. We cannot do both. You want open borders? Great. Private medicine. But you cannot open the borders and say, anybody who's sick, come to America. Because then we're healing the world and we will not have the resources to heal anybody in a very short period of time. That's just math. And I know that math doesn't really work for socialists right now. But in the end, the gods of the copybook headings will teach us that two and two do indeed always equal four. Mm, yeah, I mean, this is amazing. You have uh, a, a society that is trying to do both. Right. I mean, even libertarians and there are some libertarians who kind of not open borders, but argue for much, you know, no, many libertarians are open yeah, you, borders. Some of them might even say they're open yeah. borders. But the reason is, well, we don't have to support them. We can do we don't we don't we don't have to have these giant programs. We don't want them. Correct. So if you don't have socialist medicine, if you don't have free health care for everybody, if you don't have then a you, requirement to treat every person at, at a hospital that needs to be treated or educate right. every kid that comes in. Right financially it's still it's not is not a problem now there's other reasons why you might not want to do that but financially it doesn't become as big a problem because well i mean look you've you're not giving away all this money right there's still employment and concerns and everything else Mm -hmm. uh but this is the way it goes every single time and you have to put your you have to understand and i don't think many of the younger you know millennials and younger who are suddenly embracing socialism realize what underlies that what underlies all of socialism is your dedication to the state. It's the state as your God. And that is really where this, you know, where this ends up. You can sit back and say, well, I want this program and I want this program. But once things start going wrong, the socialist government that you've given all this power to has no other option but to protect itself at all costs. And that dedication winds up 
killing 100 million people in a century or so, right? We've seen this before. There's a great new series on HBO uh, called mm. Chernobyl. Have you seen this yet? Uh, I haven't. I've seen, oh the, I've seen the ads for it, but I will tell you, this is a great way, assuming that it's good. I know you've seen it. Mm-hmm. So assuming that it is, is good, this is a great way to teach our kids who did not live through the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. teach our kids and our grandkids exactly what it's like to live in a socialist country yeah. remember it's not really communists you know the communists oh they didn't do communism right no that's right that's why it was the ussr mm-hmm. soviet socialist so, mm-hmm. states okay so it was not communism because that's the higher law it was socialist and so when you see what a real socialist state was, and Chernobyl is a great example yeah. of what happens. And it's also a great example of what happens to the regular people. Because the regular people who are in the society, they might not be you know, socialist uh, ideologues, right? They're people who are just trying to make a living, and they're living under what is, I believe, a terrible system. And many of the people in the Soviet Union during Chernobyl were heroes. The people heroes. who were working there, the people who came in to try to stop it. Firefighters. Firefighters. I mean, and they, they talk about this and they show it uh, in great detail of what they went through and, and what they were asked to do. Um, but let me give you this this part. This is amazing. So there, to set the scene, Chernobyl's happened, the nuclear meltdown in, you know, Soviet, in the Soviet Union, Ukraine. And they are talking about uh, what do we do? Now, they have not come to the point where they realized how bad it was or had admitted to themselves how bad it was. And they're just starting to have those first conversations back and forth about, you know, most people are saying, oh, it's a fire and it's mostly out. And the other side's saying, look, I don't, I don't think, I think we should evacuate the town. I mean, this looks, this looks a lot worse than we thought it was and we should get the people out of the town. And so the, the, there's a, the two sides of this arguing back and forth at this table as they're planning for, for what happens to the people in the community. And as this is all going on, uh, an old guy, an old socialist, an old school guy, taps his cane on the floor and silences the room and gives this speech. It's amazing. Listen to this. I wonder how many of you know the name of this place. We will call it Chernobyl, of course. What is its real name? The Vladimir I. Lenin Nuclear Power Station. Exactly. Vladimir I. Lenin. And how proud he would be of you all tonight. Especially you, young man. And the passion you have for the people. For is that not the sole purpose of the apparatus of the state? Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we fall prey to fear. But our faith in Soviet socialism will always be rewarded. Now the state tells us the situation here is not dangerous. Have faith, comrades. The state tells us it wants to prevent a panic. Listen well. It's true. When the people see the police, they will be afraid. But it is my experience that when the people ask questions that are not in their own best interest, 
They should simply be told to keep their minds on their labor and leave matters of the state to the state. We seal off the city. No one leaves. And cut the phone lines. Contain the spread of misinformation. That is how we keep the people from undermining the fruits of their own labor. Yes, comrades. We will all be rewarded for what we do here tonight. This is our moment to shine. That is... Wow. Amazing. They don't let the people undermine their fruits of their own labor when they ask questions that are not in their best interests. So John Huntsman was a friend of mine, John Huntsman Sr. Yeah. And um, we talked because he was one of the first guys in the former Soviet Union. Uh, and, you know, the idea was capitalists can go in and help uh, heal the country. So he bought Aeroflot Airlines. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he bought, when the Soviet Union collapsed, these were all state-run things. And they sold them off. And they uh, sold them off. So he went in and he thought, I'll buy Aeroflot so the planes can still fly. He bought Aeroflot. He sold it so quickly. Because when he bought it, little did he know how bad things were. They literally would lose planes full of passengers, plow it into a mountain. And when the families would be waiting at the gate, waiting for their family, that plane to arrive, they would say it's late. And then they would find out that, you know, it was it had crashed the the heads of it. And they would say the heads of Aeroflot would just tell the gate people uh, never took off. This this never took off. This plane didn't this this plane didn't exist. (laughs) And so the people who were standing at the gate went, I, I, I just talked to my aunt or my husband. He was getting on to that plane. Nope, that plane didn't that didn't and never took off. I don't know where your husband is. And they just had to go back to their home and concentrate on their labor. Yeah, they couldn't ask questions. Couldn't ask questions. That's that is the real problem of socialism is there's no police to run to when a corporation that would never happen in America. Can you imagine a plane just plows into a mountain and American Airlines would say that nah, plane never took off? It wouldn't, <laughs> no. it wouldn't happen. Yeah, no. it wouldn't happen. But if the state controls the communication, the airlines and absolutely everything else, who are you going to run to? Your husband dies in a plane crash. Your husband is is at Chernobyl and and it's a massive meltdown. Nobody gets sued. No nobody investigates because the police are part of it. And socialists don't understand that. Somehow somehow or another they just and it comes from this progressive idea that man can progress. Well, yes, man can progress, but each man must progress on his own. And and so and, and there are certain things that are naturally born into all of us. Yeah. And a 
a willingness to be corrupt if you're in charge absolute power corrupts absolutely yeah a friend of mine works with a bunch of millennials and uh they there was some they're having some conversation about some mandatory program that generally speaking would be a good idea but should it be mandatory and none of them could see any negative these aren't left wingers either couldn't see any negative in the government forcing these people to participate in it and it's 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 fascinating because that is uh they, they all they could see was the common good well what you just heard that speech is the end of the common good that's yep. where it gets to remember he's yep. not doing this because he wants to kill people right he's doing this because he wants to protect soviet socialism which is for the common good and I, I have a proposal here. You know when you, you go to like a YouTube and you click play in a video and it says you have to wait 15 seconds before you see the video? Mm-hmm. I think when you go to a voting booth and you try to vote for Bernie Sanders, you should have to wait and watch that entire video before the vote goes through. Just, just You should just be go, able are to you see sure? what you're voting for. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure really? you're casting you this sure? vote? Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I want to I bring up uh, what's happened to Barr yesterday. Um and contempt and and show you uh, and show you that system that speech just happened yesterday mm. just happened yesterday mm. i'll tell you about it in here in a second uh first uh, simply safe <sighs> simply safe bunch of burglars who had been caught were asked why they burgled you know these homes they said because they had a right to the nice nice things in those homes and the fact that they didn't have a security alarm uh, really was proof, proof that they were being invited in to take that stuff. It, I, it, what? Hmm. This is the this is the moral compass of today's uh, thief. You need to protect yourself. Burglar alarms are uh, they're not overrated. They are overpriced and they are they come with all kinds of strings and wires and everything else. Not simply safe. Simply safe home security is completely wireless. The uh, the monitoring for 24 seven calling of the police or the fire is only fifteen dollars a month. And you own this system. All you have to do find out more about it is go to simply When you order. You're going to get a free home security camera. That's a $100 value. It'll have eyes on your home 24-7. You'll be able to see it and video evidence if somebody tries to get in. Call for your free security camera now. Just go to simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. We pause for 10 seconds. Station ID. Okay, so who do you call when the police are part of the problem? Who do you call? <sighs> Yesterday, for the second time in history, our attorney general was um, brought up on contempt charges. Okay? And the reason why they brought him up on contempt charges is because the Democrats said he has to release all of the uh, the Mueller report, all of it, unredacted. Well, I don't know because I haven't seen it, but I doubt that's the best idea <laughs> is to put all of a grand jury uh, report 
out where you you haven't you're going to have innocent people who's going to be who are going to be named. Mm-hmm. You're going to have all kinds of problems with that. We don't release grand jury reports ever. And there's good reason for it. Right. And remember, we've now backed off of the point where initially they, they were praised for redacting so little of the report. Right. Now we've moved on to, oh, now they have they've redacted too much. OK, so for, for the second time in U.S. history, do you know the first time in U.S. history, the attorney general? You had mentioned it to me yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Holder. For what? Uh, not giving up the documents related to Fast and Furious. Correct. Do you remember the press outrage for that? Because I don't. I don't remember. I remember people, there was there was outrage, but it was outrage about how Republicans were pouncing on it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> that's how, that okay. was the outrage. That's what happens. That's, what's happen- that, well, that's what happens when you have a socialist government. First of all, a socialist government is a one-party system. And if you don't believe me that that's where we're headed, just take a look at social media. If you're not in line, you don't have a voice. And they are silencing voices. What do you think if the the Democrats, I should say the socialists, if the socialists control this country, they say the free market is over. They will control health care. They will control the media. They will control everything. What do you think happens when 50% of the country says, no, I don't want this. I like the capitalist society. Do you think they compromise? Or do you think they say the the state must do this for the common good? We must re-educate these people. We must bring them along because they're hurting the common good. That's how massacres happen. And that's how the the Soviets and the socialists, the Nazis as well, that's the way it happens every single time. That's what's happening in Venezuela. You don't make the government, the police, and the business. All right, X-Chair. Great, great, um, it's a great chair. We just talked about it. I'm sitting here in this X-Chair, and you can adjust the seat. Um, six ways to Sunday. I don't even know how many adjustments they have. My gosh, I just adjusted it. I just moved the, the, um, lumbar support up. This is the best chair I've ever sat in. And I'm not saying that because they're telling me to say it. I'm, it's not even in the copy. It is the best chair I've ever sat in. It's great. Really is. It really is. It, it, it corrects your posture. It's really comfortable. Uh, it's just a great chair. So check it out now uh, and and get one at xchairbeck, x, the letter x, chair, B-E-C-K dot com. If you use the promo code X-Wheels, you're going to receive a free set of new X-Wheels with your chair. The X-Wheels, you know the difference between a Matchbox car and Hot Wheels? You know, and they... Hot Wheels kind of, they just go really fast. Matchbox cars really don't have those kind of wheels. That's what the X wheels do on the X chair. Uh, go to xchairbeck.com. And go to blazetv.com. Use the promo code Glenn. Sign up. Give conservatives a place to have their voice be heard. blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. 
For a few weeks now, I've been reminding you that Mother's Day is fast approaching. Now just days away. So 1-800-Flowers is here to help you pick out a gorgeous bouquet that will show her that you love her. 1-800-Flowers is having amazing offers for Mother's Day bouquets and arrangements starting at $29.99. 1-800-Flowers are amazing. They're picked fresh from the best farms so they last longer. With an amazing selection of sweets and treats and bouquets, 1-800-Flowers has everything you need for Mother's Day. They have all of the flowers starting at $29.99, which is an amazing offer, but you have to order today. So make sure you lock in this offer, only good while supplies last. After you've chosen your gorgeous bouquet or arrangement, just pick your delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. 1-800-Flowers, help mom know how much you love her. Order today, 1-800-Flowers.com. To order a beautiful and vibrant Mother's Day bouquet starting at $29.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash back. Order today, save 1-800-Flowers.com slash back coming up in about half an hour the killer across the table unlocking the secrets of serial killers and predators with the fbi's original mind hunter if you saw uh, or read the book mind hunter or saw was it was it on netflix or amazon uh it was netflix and it is still up there uh, it is phenomenal Phenomenal! It is the story of this these two FBI guys, mainly one, and he's going to be joining us in about a half an hour, uh, that said we should talk to these serial killers because this is stuff we've never seen before. And I remember when this was happening when I was a kid because I remember my grandfather going, they're just trying to make excuses. I don't care why they did it. Uh, but he made the point at the time because that was the prevalent theory. We, we should talk to them. And so he... You know, it didn't become friends with them, but but created the illusion of a friendship uh, and treated them as the expert. And because of his work, we now have behavioral science and we we know a lot about serial killers. He is going to be on with us uh, in just about a half an hour. Also, Dave Rubin joins us in about an hour. So stand by uh, for that. Pat Gray joins us now from Pat Gray Unleashed, the podcast that is sweeping America. Mm-hmm. It, well, everybody's talking about it. Every, everybody's talking everybody's about talking it. About it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's a little embarrassing. And what do you have? <laughs> Calm down, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you have? Uh, what do you have for us today? I have a stat that I think you're going to love mm. on immigration. Well, illegal immigration. Uh, I'm going to love it. The, yeah, I think you're going to love this. Okay. From the entire populations of Guatemala and Honduras, 1% of the total population of each of those countries has crossed the U.S. border. But you're thinking, okay, what, since 1975, 1980? Since last September. Uh, But, you know, how old were you last September? (laughs) I was six. And so... (laughs) 1% 1 of of the the population of two pretty significant countries have illegally entered our country in the last nine months nine months wow but this is definitely not, not an a crisis it's, it's not a crisis it's not and an not an invasion right. Right. can you imagine if one percent of iran or al-qaeda one percent mm-hmm. of al-qaeda came across and just was in in nine a, months in nine months in america would we say uh there's a problem i mean of course we would i would love to know 
What percentage must come across the border illegally from those two countries or any other countries? 75%. 75%? Yeah, and they, then they'd, they'd get alarmed? Then I'd, I'd start to get worried. <laughs> See, I'd put it in a chain link fence at that point. Hang on just a second. I Hang mean, you can't look second. at it as if, well, it's not 100%, right? right? We didn't empty out both those countries. There's well, still some I, people to come. Could, I, that we just, left could I make the suggestion? <laughs> May I make the suggestion that... Let's slow down on this. Let's think about this for a minute. Okay. Because there's no place for conservatives to go right now. Like, I'd love to live in California. I'll never live in California. It's Mm. crazy. So why don't we look at Honduras and say, (laughs) okay, I tell you what, you guys sneak across the border Mm -hmm. and you come in here. And when you get to about 99%, just alert us. And then I'm going to go down to Honduras, <laughs> buy the entire country, and we will live as conservatives and free men. You know, there's that's kind of appealing, actually. It is. It's kind we of appealing. We got oceanfront property. I we mean, start over. Yeah. And and just use the Constitution, and we'll live by that. You guys, go ahead and go, go ahead. Have a good time. There. Have a good time. It's. I. I mean, it's nuts. I. The Democrats love to talk about sustainability. That's not sustainable. Is it sustainable that every nine months, another 1% from those two uh, countries, Central American countries or any countries, continue to flood into the United States? That's sustainable? Can you imagine? You know it's not. 1% of Canada. 1% of Canada crossed our border. They'd be pissed about it. Who'd be pissed? The, The left. Oh, yeah. Well, they'd be pissed because they'd be bringing their back bacon and their and curling and all their. Stuff. They would not like that at the Olympics. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> no, they. Wouldn't. But I would be just as upset if it was Canada. I would too. Doesn't yeah, matter. Absolutely. Doesn't matter if it's the UK or Canada, Norway. I don't care. It's unsustainable. We just can't do it. It's- well, you you heard Joe Biden. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yesterday, talk about health care, right? Yeah. Where he said we have to provide health care. We it's, have to provide it's our obligation. So now we are wow. providing health care for one percent of the population of those two countries. In nine months, we've we're taking on one percent of two different countries, and we're going to be providing their health care. How? How is that sustainable? How and how? Who, who pays for it? Who well, pays for it? Of course, it? we do. Right. We got to pay for the education. We have to pay yeah. for the health care. We have to pay for the living, you know, as if we capture them, uh, we have to house them. Uh, these you lie. <laughs> that, no, that, that usually works against that point. I've noticed yeah, over the no, past it, few years. If you just yell, you lie. No, it doesn't it matter anymore because they're record. just admitting it. Now. Yeah, yeah they they're just sort of admitting, admitting it. it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think about that all the time when you predicted years ago, they're just going to start admitting all this stuff. And they have and they are. And they're just they're just naked Marxists. Because no. I told I told you at the time. Remember what I said? They want to. Oh, they do. They're dying to tell you. They they're are so they are so confident that socialism is the thing. They're dying to tell you. And it's in, it's in these moments you need to remember what the truth is, because the, you know it wasn't that different. In the mid 90s, when Bill Clinton was saying the era of big government is over, they didn't believe anything differently then. 
They just weren't telling you. Yeah, they were faking They it just then. believed that at that point, the best way to advance it was to say the era of big government was over. And, and now they believe the opposite. They think they can come out and admit it. And, and you're right. They're dying to do it. And here's the thing. We were conspiracy theorists for saying that that's what they wanted to do. Nine years ago, we were conspiracy yeah. theorists. Now they're coming out and saying it. And when you point it out, nobody says you're a conspiracy theorist anymore. They're like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, 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 yeah. what? Yeah, I am a socialist. Yeah, I'm wait communist. Uh, what? That's a better system. Yeah. And, yeah. and and then there are those people who I think the vast majority of the voting Democrats. Voting Democrats are different than Washington Democrats. Yes, big time. And I think that the vast majority of the voting Democrats, uh, and you see this as evidenced by, you know, Joe Biden being up 30, 32. 40, yeah, 32 to 40 points ahead of any of yeah. the other competitors. Yeah, there is this desire that no, 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 there is this starving for anything other than socialist in the Democratic Party. And they mm-hmm. are they are willing to accept Joe Biden not being a socialist, but he'll give you the same stuff. He's going to give you exactly the same stuff. You, you can't, you know, he wrapped it yesterday in compassion. <laughs> compassion, yes. But if you're in a lifeboat, I'm sorry. But when the lifeboat is full, you must steer the lifeboat away from the people who are flailing. And I'm sorry, but we will all die. And when that happens, who then can we help? The answer is no, no one. one. When the lifeboat has been capsized or sunk, everybody drowns. Correct. Correct. You 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 have to you have to balance compassion with reason. Yeah. And when it comes to this situation, we are not able. We're the richest country in the world. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're the biggest debtor in the history of the world. We have $23 trillion, $23 trillion. By the way, do you know how much money we have spent on poverty since the Great Society speech from LBJ? Was it $20 trillion? $22 trillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everything that we've done, and the poverty numbers have not changed, no. everything that we have done, we are now in debt, 20, 22 or $23 trillion dollars. We spend about 20 or 22 trillion dollars trying to fix poverty. None of this is working. And Those right. are all socialist programs and none of them are working. It was 14% poverty rate I think in 1965. It's 14% today. Mm. After 22 or 23 trillion dollars. It's crazy. Same with the war on drugs. I mean all these wars that we're fighting against uh because it doesn't work uh, it doesn't that work. way. It, it doesn't. doesn't work that way. You know, it's like telling somebody who's depressed, you know, just cheer up. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the border, if you would like to um, talk about real compassion, Mercury One is implementing child uh, rescue systems at the border right now in Texas and New Mexico. The, 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 we got this charge. We were asked by churches because these churches, another, another delivery is coming today to uh, some of these churches. 2,000 people just dumped on their doorstep today. Wow. Okay. 
Um, and the problem is these churches are... And yesterday, didn't we say it was 1,000 a day? Yeah. Yesterday, and now yeah. it's 2,000? 2,000 today. At least today. Today. Um, wow. So it, we, um, Operation Underground Rescue got a phone call from one of these churches on the border and said, you got to help us. You have to train our people because we know we are handing these kids over to sex traffickers, but we can't do the anything about it. The church admitted that? Yeah, they said we can't do anything about it. We, yeah, they have to. Uh, you have to. So what the do Democrats we do? Democrats have put them in that position. Right. So we are sitting here um, providing training so the churches can identify the smugglers and uh, we will assist wow. uh, the government wow. uh, busting up these rings. Uh, but we really need your help. Uh, Mercury One, the idea was to be a catalyst to restore the human spirit when it's broken. And if I don't, if, if, if our spirit of Americans on the border isn't broken, I don't know what is. These people have been abandoned. American citizens and towns and churches have been abandoned by our federal government. Let's help these towns out on the border. All you have to do is uh, just go to mercuryone.org and donate five bucks a month. Uh, whatever you can do, mercuryone.org. But please give, or you can call 972-499-4747. More on that later. Pat, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Well, we have a, we live in a society that kind of drains you at times where you're kind of a little tired. What? Go through a long day. Never. Meetings and no. drudgery. Yeah. And then the afternoon comes and you just want to pass out. Uh, I found a great solution for this. It's, it's called, uh, it's called Dawn to Dusk from Brickhouse Nutrition. Now, Dawn to Dusk uh, is fantastic because it is one of these things where you don't have uh, the crash of an energy drink or a bunch of coffee. You don't have to keep going back to the well. And I like Dawn to Dust because you don't have to take it every day. It's not something you have to take every day. You take it when you need it. And it gives you, uh, it's about a 10-hour a a window of increased energy, increased focus. It improves your mood. It makes, it makes your day a little bit better. Uh, and Brickhouse Nutrition is the company that does this. They also do Field, degree, field of Greens we've talked about before. They have a lot of great supplements for whatever, whatever you're doing. Uh, but Dawn to Dusk is one of my favorites. If you go to BrickhouseGlen.com right now, Get 15% off your first order with the offer code GLENN, G-L-E-N-N, or call 833-RING-BHN. It's Brickhouse Nutrition. It's called Dawn to Dusk. Don't suffer through the awful afternoons uh, without uh, maybe improving things a little bit. Make it so you're more productive, more focused. Brickhouse Nutrition is the is the brand. It's called Dawn to Dusk. Go to BrickhouseGlen.com or 833-RING-BHN. Welcome to the program. I am... I, I am fascinated by the uh, the next guest that we have on, John Douglas. He is the guy who wrote the New York Times bestseller Mindhunter. Uh, he is uh, he's got a book out now, The Killer Across the Table: Unlocking the Secrets of Serial Killers and Predators with the FBI's original Mindhunter. He's the guy who the Netflix has the the TV show Mindhunter about which just shows him willing to go in and talk to these monsters in really frightening, frightening ways. 
Did you watch Mindhunter? I didn't. I re- it's on my queue, though. Oh I've been my wanting to watch the, it. The, you know, I don't want to be a spoiler on anything, so I won't go into details, but I would like to know if the last episode is accurate at all, because it is terrifying. Terrifying. I can't I mean, imagine sitting in these rooms where you're with pretty smart guys who are are good at manipulation and they are mass murderers and you're playing a mind game with them. You're trying to convince them that you respect them so they'll talk to you about why they did it so you can understand the next guy. You're going in and asking them for help on, hey, this guy's doing this. What do you think of that? And it's this this tightrope that you're walking the whole time of of trying to get close to them, but staying away from them and knowing that you're alone in that room. You're alone in that room and they are close enough to kill you quickly. I mean, it is terrifying what this guy did. And he took on everybody. Everybody said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't make excuses for him. He's like, I'm not making excuses. Right. He was trying to understand. Yeah. So he could stop the next one. And, you know, it's interesting. And if we have the chance, I want to talk to him about how we're silencing people right now. You know, he, he says something really interesting that I will talk to him about. You have to make the person you're talking to in your mind, the expert. Because they are. They are the expert in what they believe. And he said, if you go in and you're looking down at them, you're not going to learn anything. And they're not going to share anything because you're right. How does that play in today's world? Because that's what everybody is doing. Mm. They're they're coming in and talking to people. And they're like, I'm right. This guy's a moron. Just treat your fellow humans like serial killers. And then the conversations <laughs> yeah. work out a lot better. And you know what? <laughs> it's true. Uh, I think that probably is kind of getting more true every single day. <laughs> He's coming up next. John Douglas, the original Mind Hunter. Thank you so much, Hillary. I uh, want to tell you about our Spotlight sponsor. We are so grateful for the sponsorship of American Finance. Um, they remind you that if you are looking for a home, uh, or if you want to refinance or do, um, you know, a refi where you are bundling all your credit cards up into it with a credit card thing, you could save up to a thousand dollars a month. I mean, that that's significant money. Um, uh, yeah. And if you have a uh, an adjustable mortgage, please lock in those rates. But these people work for you. They don't work for the bank. They're not getting kickbacks to jam you into a, a one loan or another. They actually listen and work for you. It's AmericanFinancing.net. If you're looking to refi or finance a new purchase of a home, it's AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net. Or you can call them at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. All right. Uh, fascinating hour. What promises to be a fascinating hour with John Douglas, the killer across the table, in one minute. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenbeck program. If you had sat across the table from David Berkowitz, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Charles Manson, Lynette Fromm, Sarah Jane Moore, Edmund Kemper, James Earl Ray, Sirhan Sirhan, Richard Speck, Donald Harvey, 
Uh, if you had sit, if you had sat across the table and spent real time with these people, what knowledge would you gain? And would you at all be haunted by the exchanges that you had to gain that knowledge? There is a great book and uh, and also a, a TV show on Netflix called Mind Hunter. It's really about the true life uh, adventures of of one guy, John Douglas, who went in and met with all of these guys for the FBI to try to figure out if he could put profiles together. He has led an incredible life. There's a new book out called The Killer Across the Table, Unlocking the Secrets of Serial Killers and Predators with the FBI's original Mind Hunter. That Mind Hunter joins us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So in some ways, we really didn't used to need extended coverage on our cars. You know, the repairs were inexpensive. You could go into, you know, Pep Boys and you and your dad could do it. You're not doing that now with your car. Um, those days are completely gone. And if something happens, you have to take it into the shop. And it, the expense can be extraordinary. Get extended vehicle protection now from CarShield. I have this on a couple of my trucks up at the uh, up the ranch, and I'm telling you, it has saved me so much money. CarShield will save you, you know, when you have a sensor go, thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. It's a scam, but what can you do, right? You have to have it. So the... Uh, the smart thing to do is get extended vehicle protection. And the one that I use is from CarShield, carshield.com. You can call 1-800-CAR-6000 or use the promo code B-E-C-K. It's carshield.com or call 800-CAR-6000. Um, they take care of it all. You can take it right to the uh, right to the dealership and, you know, get all the right parts and have them fix it right because you're not paying for it. And you're not even waiting for them to cut you a check so you can pay the dealership or whoever you take it to. They deal with it directly. No hassle. 24-7 roadside assistance. A rental car while yours is in the shop. It's the best. It's carshield.com. Use the promo code BECK. Save 10% right now. 1-800-CAR-6000 or carshield.com. John Douglas, the original Mind Hunter, is uh, on with us now. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Very well, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Um, I remember um, what, in some way, what you went through when you first started talking to people. Because I remember my grandfather saying, "These guys are just talking to them. They're going to make excuses. I don't care what happened to them in their life. They did the crime and." That was the prevalent theory when you started interviewing these mass murderers. Correct. Uh, at the FBI, very, very much what's happening on, on the uh, series, the Mindhunter series on Netflix, um, the question was, why am I doing this? What, what are you doing? Uh, uh, you shouldn't be going into the prisons doing these interviews. Well, at the time I was 32 years old, uh, I came back uh, uh, to Quantico after working seven years in the field. I was a very young agent when I was recruited. I just got out of the military, I had four years of military, a couple of advanced degrees, and came back. And was sitting back in the classroom now, I had to audit 
the senior instruction instructors and these senior instructors just didn't have their facts right and and how do i know that because there were police officers in the classroom that were challenging the instructors and they say hey look you know i worked the manson case you got your facts all screwed up so here i am now 32 years old and i got to get up in front of these senior investigators from throughout the world and and fbi agents you know at some point and and what can i do to accelerate my learning so in the old days we had what we call road schools you go out and, and maybe teaching in san diego and then later on boise idaho you know, let's go into these prisons. I asked my partner. I said, let's go. Let's see if Manson will talk to us. Let's see if um, uh, David Berkowitz, uh, the son of Sam or Sir Han, Sir Han, and um, thought it was a crazy idea. But went into the, the uh, prisons just unannounced, which was kind of good when you're an agent. You just show your creds. You can go in, and, and you don't have to tell anybody why you want to speak to these people. And to our surprise, they were very, very. Yeah, very, very forthcoming, very, very uh, interested in speaking with me. But we made mistakes early on in the uh, when we first started doing the interviews. Uh, we'd go in there with notes, uh, go in there with a tape recorder, and that was a turn uh, a, a turnoff for them. Uh, why? Because they uh, they're paranoid individuals, and they should be paranoid. They're incarcerated with a lot of other violent offenders. They don't trust corrections. They're certainly not going to trust uh, the, uh, the FBI. So what I began to do uh, as we went along and we teamed up with Dr. Ann Burgess, Boston College, and, and we developed a computerized instrument for interviews, uh, which I would never fill out uh, during the interview process, would be before and after the, uh, you know, the interview. And then um, started to uh, you know document this you know this material and and began to get some really fantastic information uh, from them regarding victim selection, pre-offense behavior, post-offense behavior. Then I started thinking, what can I do creatively, creatively to create a, a situation where I may cause David Berkowitz, for example, uh, to go to the gravesite uh, of his uh, victims or to inject himself into the police investigation. Well, the Bureau stood afar. They were, they were really against this. You know, what the hell are you doing, you know, this kind of, you know, this kind of work? And, and they were really the last ones to embrace my own agency. They were waiting for me, to, I think, to screw up, and then they'd send me to uh, Butte, Montana, to work <laughs> cattle rustling you know, cases or right. something like that. So, they, so uh, you know, they were the last ones, uh, you know, to embrace it. And then when I got really some national some international publicity, uh, and I was doing so many cases, but then when I hit the uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta child killings was very controversial. I was censured uh, by the Bureau uh, when I, I publicly said the killer would be a, 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 a black offender, would not be white in that particular case. And historically, we had a lot of white serial killers leading up to, uh, to that time. And um, when they finally they uh, arrested uh, Wayne B. Williams in the case, then I got involved in cross-examination strategies, coaching the prosecutor on how to how to um, go after him on the stand. And again, I was very, 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 very young. But now, as this young, young agent, and when I would now get in front of a group, a cop, senior cop, senior agents, you know, it's uh, it, it, you were like the old show E.F. Hutton when. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. Yeah. So they started, started you know, listening. But along the way, it, it's it's stressful, man. It's stressful. John, uh, let me uh, let me ask you this on on the on the stress part of it. First of all, I don't want to give any spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the yeah. series on Netflix. Um, but is that last episode? Did that at all anything like that? Did you go through that? 
Well, it was. It's actually it's worse. Uh, it's worse than uh, the. Episode. Oh my gosh! Because it was you know, that particular way that didn't didn't happen like that. But I um, I I was training in New York City uh, to um, in 1983, and it was around let's see around October November. And while, uh, while on stage training several hundred police from, from Nassau County, Suffolk, all around Manhattan, um, I'm start, I just came back on the Yorkshire Ripper case. I, I, I have to go up to uh, Alaska where a guy, uh, I believe, is hunting down women. He's, he's uh, uh, abducting women, stripping them down naked as he takes them to his airplane, flies them up into the wilderness and hunts them down. Oh and then there's the Green, River, uh, the Green River Killer in yeah. Seattle, yeah. Washington. So I had this anxiety attack uh, while on stage and and I know my material so well that my mouth is talking but my brain is elsewhere and I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm having a heart attack I'm I, I'm perspiring I'm saying to myself <laughs> I'm saying Douglas man you got to regroup you got to come come out of this refocus focus and uh, so I got through it I don't think anyone no one ever said anything no one ever detected it but uh, by the time I got back to Quantico, I, I felt at 38 years of age, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to something. I'm going to have cancer. Something's going to happen to me. So I took out all this income protection insurance, and then it's now time to go out on the Green River murder case in Seattle, Washington. I have tremendous headaches. I have to train two younger agents now assigned to uh, my program. And the long and short out there, what happened was, is before I went, uh, I went to the before the task force, come back to my hotel room, tell the agents I feel like I'm getting a flu, and that night I collapse in my hotel room floor. I, they kick down the door three days later because I have a do not disturb sign on the door, and they find me in a frog-like position. Uh, my brain had split in the right temporal lobe from 107 degree body temperature. My heart beats 220, and I'm in a coma, and I'll remain in a coma for a, a week and come out of the uh, coma uh, paralyzed uh, all along the, the, uh, the left side, can't, you know, can't speak. Uh, before I came out of the coma, they were planning, I'm a veteran, they were planning to bury me at the veteran, uh, veteran cemetery. And uh, uh, the doctors later on, when I came back, they flew me back after a month in the hospital, back to where I live in, in uh, Virginia, uh, went to various doctors, went to psychologists, and the psychologist tested me, and they said, John, I said, man, well, first you got, you have viral encephalitis brought on, mm. your immune system is so low, uh, you, you, you came very close to dying, plus you had complications of blood clots that nearly killed you, and he says, but the, the, you were really suffering this post-traumatic stress disorder, that we, some, and, and some of the things we see in, in our veterans coming back, but you're experiencing the same kind of, th- same kind of thing here, uh, dealing with death and, and violence, and dealing with the victims of these violent crimes that break your heart when you have to uh, deal with them or, or when a, a, a victim's uh, mother tells you, John, you have to tell me how my daughter was killed. Oh my Did my daughter fight? And, you know, on and on. And it really is, uh, it was emotionally uh, exhausting. So, John, did you, did you, because in watching you and in reading these books that you've, you've written, um, you, at least I am, I, I, I think the toll on you on sitting, you know, and 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 intentionally making them feel superior to you by by adjusting the chair so they're higher than you are and doing all these things and befriending them. It just seems like there is a you're paying a a price in your soul uh, to be able to get this information. 
Well, yeah, I'll give you an example. I interviewed uh, Richard Speck, who killed seven nurses uh, in uh, in the Chicago area, and 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 he was extremely violent. Uh, they were holding him in, in a cage, uh, and they wanted me to show show me his cell first and his pornography in a, in his cell. But meanwhile, he's screaming and yelling like uh, you know like crazy. And, and when I finally got back in his cage with him, and I was with his counselor. Uh, I decided to totally ignore him and turn my back to him. And I had a conversation with his counselor. And I, I had to use, I used street language in, in talking to his counselor about the crimes that he committed. You know, kind of filthy kind of language, but the kind of language that, you know, Richard Speck uh, can identify with. And I said something to, to the effect that, you know, uh, to his counselor, I said, I don't know what this guy eats uh, for breakfast, but man, I said, he, uh, he raped these seven, uh, you know, seven women. I, I, I just don't understand it. And I knew he didn't do that. So he chimes in behind me, and he's, he's sitting up on top of Cordenza. I'm six foot two, and he's six two as well, but he still wants to dominate you know, over me, and you let him do it. And, and he says, I didn't, I didn't, and using street terms, what he did to those girls. And I said, I know, I said, it was just the, the one on the couch. And he says, you're crazy, man. You ought to be in here you're with us. I mean, you're just like us. And I'm really not just like him, but I have to show this, this false sense of, of empathy. And I'd be lying to you, Glenn, if I tell you at the end of the day, when I have to come back to my own family and, and at the time, and then the young children, uh, you know, that have uh, and that you may have flashbacks. You may even be in bed with your wife one night, and and, and um, you're thinking that some amorous type of thing you may want to be doing. But now you're thinking about some horrific case oh my or, gosh. that you're oh my gosh. that you're working on, and it's really uh, it, it's dangerous to your health. <laughs> uh, all right, I want to I want to take a. I, I assume wanna, you don't tell her tell her that on date night. Yeah, you know, you're like oh, honey, yeah, you know what I'm thinking about right now. Gosh. Uh, I, <laughs> John, I, I'm going to take a quick break for about sure. a minute, and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation. But I just have to thank you for what you've endured as a as a human being for all of our sakes uh you know you you put up with both sides the law and the devil uh and uh and took a lot of grief and and thank you for for standing and doing that well, thank you. Uh, back in just one more minute. Uh, Fascinating. Wow. J- John Douglas, uh, the killer across the table. He is the original mine hunter. That if you've seen the Netflix show, this is the guy. Mother's Day just a few days away, and it means that you need to do something about that. Uh, I know it, my mom received uh, Chamonix. She received uh, some great skincare products that uh, I know she loves because she texted me a very long testimonial about how much she loves it. She was actually thinking about going to the dermatologist. Uh, she was worried about the way her skin was getting dry and irritated, and now she is just loving this. She's saying that uh, that her skin has uh, started looking and feeling better, and it is um, made her uh, feel like she looks more youthful. Uh, which, of course, she's my mom. I love her. She never has to look any more youthful than she does. But hey, she's she's happy with it, and I'm happy that she's happy about it. Genucel has a great Mother's Day thing, and this is you know this is not only for if you're looking for a great Mother's Day present, but also if you happen to be a mother uh, or a dad or whatever, and you just want to just treat yourself. Uh, Genucel's new jawline treatment is out there. It's got MDL technologies, all this stuff that I don't really understand, but I do know that it works because I can tell you this: a, my mom told me it works, and I believe my mom. And secondly. 
they are guaranteed or your money back. So you're going to see instant effects within 12 hours with GenuCell for eye bags and puffiness, plus the GenuCell jawline treatment. It's all coming together in this great package. Go to GenuCell.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com, or call 800-577-8709, plus you'll get a surprise Mother's Day premium gift with all orders. 800-577-8709, or visit GenuCell.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Pause 10 seconds for station ID. I could spend hours with this guy, uh, John this Douglas. Fascinating. Yeah, I'd like to, John. I'd love to uh, fly you into town so we could do a podcast together and just sit without commercial interruption and just and yeah. just talk. I'll be up here uh, pretty soon. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I'll be coming up to, uh, next week. As a matter of fact, I'll be up there. Wow. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. Um, yeah, sure. So, you. so John. Um, you know, I met one of the reporters, one of the few people that had been allowed to really do interviews um, with Charles Manson. And he said he used some of the tactics that you had um, used. And um, and he said that Charles Manson is <clears throat> he said you end up liking him. Uh, and he said, you don't you know that you're being manipulated, he said, but he's so good at it. And he said, it just kind of, it just eats at you because you, you, you catch yourself going, I like this guy. Oh my gosh. It's Charles Manson. <laughs> Did that ever happen to you? With, uh, with, with Manson, he is a very charismatic individual. And when I went into the, uh, did the interview with him, I once again had nothing, no notes or anything like that. But I, I memorized some of this, his sayings that he would say at the George Spahn Ranch when he would sit up on top of a boulder lecturing to his, his uh, followers, the so-called Manson, uh, Manson family. Uh, but uh, again, he's five foot two. It was really shocking when I first saw him, the size of him. His IQ is around about 120, which is pretty, you know, pretty good. But he is a master uh, manipulator. Uh, he's not a, some criminal mastermind. He's more of a criminal uh, or a manipulator of, of uh, whoever he's going to be speaking to. And, and again, when you're on a fact-finding mission, you let the guy, you let the guy, you know, talk. And, and he too, he sat on top of, of a chair, looking down at me. The big thing with Charles, though, was that he said, "Look, he, he said you got to give me something, man, before I go back into the yard." I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Hey, look, they're going to know. Everyone knows you're here today, FBI. You represent the FBI. You got to give me something." Oh, I mean, what do you want? You know, you know, give me some money. Give me. Get, you got those glasses over there? Those sunglasses? Yeah, these are nice Ray Bans. You want these? I can't give you these. You got to give me the Ray Ban. I got to go go back and tell him I, I ripped you off. So I gave I gave him uh, our set of glasses uh, that that, uh, that I just mm-hmm. got recently, and so he couldn't go back in the yard and boast to everyone because they did not want to be perceived as a you know as a, uh, a snitch. But he's a good. He's interesting to interview because because you, it's it's just that we may and we did later on see other charismatic individuals in charge of uh, or leading groups like in Waco, Texas, or, or Jim Jones in Indiana, and you could see how he had this. He was he uh, he spent most of his pr- uh, life in prison, 
and um, and he just learned how to use people, manipulate people. But his big thing, he wanted to be, he really wanted to be uh, an entertainer. He wanted to be in the Beach Boys, and he was friends with Dennis Wilson, and that was that was his big big thing. And the helter skelter business, when you're dealing with a whole bunch of inadequate followers that were, were gravitating toward toward California, then. He, he saw this and the easy uh, easy people uh, the malleable type of people that he could he can shape uh, the problem with with that is that the, these inadequate nobodies who want to become a somebody well you, you can lose control of them and, and although he was preaching this helter skelter uh, they took action they went out uh, on their on their own on the, particularly the first night the second night when the Labianca was killed he was with them but said hey I got to leave I'm on uh, parole I can't stay here for the for the killings I mean what a you know what a great guy but it's just uh, uh, so, just interesting you know, very very interesting you know, type of people but again the bureau was not. For this, and there was a lot of pressure, uh, Glenn, as, as, particularly as a young person. You go for a task force, and particularly in those early days, and you're, you're talking about, say, the Trailside Killer yeah. in New York. And I'm telling the, I'm telling these, this task force, there's a good chance that this subject has some type of physical ailment or disability. I just came back on a case, and where speech impediment, the killer may have a speech impediment. And so, saying, what is this? Okay, so hang on. Arresting so, David Carpenter, who had a speech impediment, uh, and was able to link him to the case. So hang. Hang, hang on just a second. If, if I may hold you over um, and go a little longer with this interview, I want to talk to you about uh, the things that we can learn in what's happening today by talking to people. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Uh, we're with uh, John Douglas. The name of the book is uh, The Killer Across the Table, the original Mindhunter. Uh, 1-800-Flowers. Did you do it, Stu? I did it you did it i did it you did it i finally did it i took okay. the step i went on 1-800-flowers.com did you use I, the uh the code back i did use the pro, the promo code back what'd you get uh so you have at least uh i mean the, yeah you yeah me um so i di- i went with uh some other uh colorful Special. sort of rose there it wasn't roses it was some other flower and i don't remember what it was but it, they looked really nice and uh, i thought it'd be nice they're very springy i thought it'd be a good springy vibe uh for <laughs> did you go through the website and see all the other stuff they have i can't believe how much stuff they have i know they only they advertise everything. flowers and they should advertise everything else because you get on the site and you're like oh my gosh and they have the choice of vases as well mm-hmm. uh they have these cool like little i don't know the kind of metal flower pot things that mm-hmm. looked really cool yeah uh, so that's what i got Anyway, uh, 1-800-Flowers. Give your mom 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for twenty nine ninety nine. That offer expires today. Hurry. Fantastic offer ends today. Enter the promo code BECK after clicking on the radio icon, 1-800-Flowers.com. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is where you should go and subscribe to Blaze TV. Conservatives are being banned everywhere. They need an outlet. Use the promo code Glenn. Talking to John Douglas, he is the author of The Killer Across the Table, also the New York Times bestselling uh, book, Mind Hunter. He is uh, the guy that really they they uh, tell his story in Mind Hunter, uh, the Netflix series, which if you haven't seen it, it is so well. It's creepy. It is really creepy, but it is so well worth your time uh, to see what this guy had to do to be able to get us to a point to where we are today, where we can at least have a profile of these people and understand them. That was not wanted when he started. And he has interviewed David Berkowitz, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, 
Charlie Manson, all of them, James Earl Ray, Sirhan Sirhan, Richard Speck, you name it. He's been on the front line and he has he has given the tips to the uh, investigators to say, look for these things. And it ends up every time that that's exactly, um, you know, what what they what they find. Um, John Douglas joins us uh, again. John, let me I want to I want to change the subject just a, a, a little bit. Oh, I think, Glenn, too, I, I was just been reminded I have like three minutes here. I'm supposed to, to uh, go do something else. We yeah, have to do oh something. Oh, my gosh. OK, well, we'll have minutes. you we'll have you we'll have you back. Um, OK, I'll, I'll be up in New York. I'll, I'll tell my publicist if I can get on your podcast, too. Yeah, or, yeah. We, I'll, we, I'll do your show here. I'll, I'll be glad to. We'd love to. Uh, you know, I want to have you back because I want to talk to you about the way you're treating people in in, in your book speaks volumes about how we should be treating people uh today but i'll have you back because i think that's a longer conversation can you just answer this one question Uh, what does what does the the fascination with serial killers say about us you have a good reason to do it but when we're watching these shows like ted bundy there's no reason for me to watch that what does it say about us well, it's the, uh, I've done this throughout my books, I've always mentioned, it's why plus how equals wills who. When I'm doing a non-sub case, unknown subject case, I'm trying to figure out the, the who done it. Now, by, uh, when I go into the prisons, I know who, who did the, uh, the crime. So it's, it's that, you know, the why, the motivation. And when I talk to groups, when I go out speaking, uh, these crime uh, conferences, it, it's uh, where 90% of the audience are women. They want to know. They want to know that they have the same uh, questions and they want to know why. What, what's, what's the purpose? What's the motivation here? Is it sexual? Is it power, anger, retaliation? You know, what is it? So those are the kind of things that, that, um, that I, I address in the books and and get me back on your show. We'll go through a lot of that stuff, too. All right. Good. Yeah. John, we'd love right. to have you back on. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bet. You bet. book is uh, The Killer Across the Table. Uh, that is, uh, that's a fascinating one. I can't wait for that podcast because that's going to be really interesting. I could talk to him. We'll probably have to do two podcasts. I'll just have to record. I could do three hours with him easy. I will say, too, your last question is really interesting because I have I watched the new ted bundy movie on netflix i haven't seen it and i was zach efron as the star which my wife was curiously interested in this film for some reason yeah. uh right. i don't know why it certainly right. wasn't uh the scene where uh where zach efron uh, shows his naked butt for three seconds that right. certainly wasn't i've noticed on my netflix queue it seems to be paused at that point uh, over and over <laughs> again for some reason um but it's uh it, it was it was first of all really really good and I also watched the Ted Bundy tapes, which is a fascinating story where a journalist goes in to, get, to get, talk to Ted Bundy, who won't admit these crimes. And eventually, one of the ways he kind of gets him to admit the crimes is to say, just like John was talking about, he treated him as an expert. He said, hey, if these killings did happen, I know you didn't do them, but if these killings did hit a, a, a happen, how would the killer have done it? And then he goes in and, and explains exactly how these things go on and he explains the crimes and the only way he would know these crimes of course is if he did them you know in a way uh you know he wanted to tell him that he did the crimes but he didn't want Mm -hmm. to admit it and get himself in more legal trouble but that is i really enjoyed watching those things i enjoy the true crime stuff i i like those shows 
And there's a part of me that doesn't actually understand what it says about me or why. I mean, because I'm just watching it for entertainment. I'm not looking to bust the next serial See, killer. You know what? I, you know what I found, and and maybe this is just me, and it's weird. Um, I've I've started watching a lot of stuff from the BBC mm-hmm. uh, because I think they're a ahead of us in many ways. Their shows tend to be really really good. Sure, they're not like upstairs downstairs anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I've, I've watched a lot of their crime stuff. For instance, uh, Killing Eve is fantastic and really weird. Um, you know, just like <laughs> you'd like it. If you like the Ted Bundy stuff, you'd like this. But it's fiction. So it makes it, it, it removes it one step. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then what I found is I don't like watching, like I've never watched any of the uh, what is it? The NCSI NCIS. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. I've never I've never seen any of those. Mm-hmm. Not once. I've had no desire. But I will watch crime shows from the BBC, and I think it's because it's not my society. It's, it's another an ex- escapist almost. Yeah, yeah, it's another country, so I'm not relating to it. It's it's not mm. something that I'm worried about here. And so mm. I can watch it more as entertainment. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's been really shocking because I've been watching these shows, which I really enjoy, and I would never watch them on, on American television. I, I mean, I, it'll come up on my Netflix. You should watch this. And I'm like, never. Yeah. That's like a, the one I'm most fascinated by is uh, Law & Order SVU. And it's like, I, so I, this is, uh, I was in the, my, I had a, someone in the hospital. I was at the hospital for several mm-hmm. days um, as they were very ill. And so I was in the waiting room and during the day when normally I would be here working and I'm on, I they had the TV was on like, I think USA or one of these networks mm-hmm. where all day they're showing episodes of Law and Order SVU, which I've heard of, but never watched. Right. And I love Law and Order. I've watched it a million times, but I'd never really watched Law and Order SVU before. And then I just realized this is just a very popular show where every episode a woman gets raped on camera. Like the entire show, SVU just means a bunch of rapes. That is like, it's law and order, a bunch of rapes. That is the (laughs) entire series. And every series is legitimately starts where some terrible thing happens to some woman and they try to solve the crime. And throughout the time, they explain to you all these awful, awful details about it. And I'm like, how are people watching this? I mean, it's well done. And and you, of course, have that drama of trying to figure out who it is. And Law & Order is great at that. But I mean, this is a series that's been like the top 10 shows in America for how long? And it's just a collection of sexual assaults. That is what it is. The entire special victims unit is the sex crimes unit. Holy crap, man, that's dark. And you watch these things because I like watching documentaries. I like especially I'm less interested in fiction. I like I like watching nonfiction. And so watching these documentaries, I, you can always learn something and take something out. We will bring a lot of that stuff to you on the show because there's always something interesting in there. But there is that weird fascination that America has with serial killers in particular. I think, I mean, I can't speak for, you know, uh, you know, the non-Western world, but I think at least the Western world has that same fascination. With serial killers? Yeah, with serial killers and with with gruesome crimes. And well, there's something about this and it ties directly to the school shooting problem as well which is we make these people into celebrities. 
certainly has nothing to do with what John did. He was doing real FBI work and important work to make sure that these things didn't happen again. But we, we've come to the point where we turn these people into celebrities. I know we've taken steps here at The Blaze, um, you know, not related to serial killing. Killing is less, uh, less popular, less trendy than it used to be. Uh, but this, the, the mass shooting issue, we don't tell you any of their names anymore. I can't remember the last time you heard one of their names on the show. I mean, you're going back before Las Vegas. Them. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't remember. It's been a couple of years yeah. and we didn't officially institute the policy, you know, uh, until company Vegas. wide until Vegas or a little after Vegas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it goes back a long time for us because we've seen the research. We've seen that the, the copycat thing is a big issue and anything you can do to not make these people get their level of fame. Who who is the, the person uh, responsible for the last couple of shootings? Do you have any idea? No I, idea. I don't even know. But what's sad is I don't, I don't know, know the name off the top of my head of the of the heroes. Of the people who went and stopped them. Yeah, we actually have some stuff coming up on them in the next uh, week or so. We've uh, planned uh, to potentially do some of that because we've seen this recently and it's a sort of a new trend in these crimes where, you know, it's been sad uh, in some cases. Some cases it has been uh, great in that people with guns, people with other weapons have chased people away from these mass shootings. We've seen the last two things that have happened where, unfortunately, the person who did it wound up losing their life, but stopped the mass shooting went from could have been 20 30 people dead to one now look we want it to be zero obviously and we want all these things to go away and they're heroes but that's heroic and it's also the type of thing that actually winds up ending these trends if you think about uh hijacking for a second we went through multiple decades where anybody who got on a plane with the right weapon or did took over the cockpit could fly that plane to cuba Right? You could fly the plane to wherever you wanted. That's basically what happened in all of those cases. And it wasn't until 9-11 where you, know, where you have the people uh, stepping up on the, on the flight in Pennsylvania where they rush the, ca- the cabin and they are mm-hmm. able to, to stop that. Now, no one gets away with that. If you go and try to, no one's going to try to hijack a plane because they know what en- how it ends. It ends with you being tackled and subdued. I mean, it might wind up killing everybody on the plane because no one can fly it. It's possible, but with the steps they've taken, it's unlikely. And at some point when you take out the incentive of fame from the mass shooter and you take out the idea you're going to have some big score, you're going to be able to outscore all of the other people because, yeah, you might get somebody, but they're going to wind up getting tackled pretty fast and this goes away. This is the sort of thing that de-escalates a a rising trend in a particular crime. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that that is the beginning of this. I think a lot of, we're not the only ones. I know Daily Wire, for example, has also taken the same step, yeah. but they won't mention them. And I think a lot of conservative outlets are doing it. I'd like to see a New York Times or a CNN or an MSNBC or some big mainstream organization step to the plate and say, we've seen this research. We see how many of these people are searching for fame and notoriety, and we're no longer going to give it to them. They still I, keep doing it, though. I, I think there's also, we, there's also something else happening. Um, and it happened last night at the Colorado Vigil for the uh, the last shooting mm. and uh, that is uh, the people are tired of being used yeah. uh, for political purposes and I, we're going to get into that here when we come back let me just pause for a second i'll tell you about zip recruiter unemployment now is at historic lows 3.6 i do not recall ever in my life well it was it's lowest since 1969 so yep. the last time this happened I was five. I was five the last time we had this kind of unemployment rate. That is remarkable. And, and you know, the media is not talking about that. But that is a huge, huge accomplishment. 
So it's great unless you're trying to hire people because you're now going to have a harder time recruiting people. It's good for all the people who are looking for a job. Yeah. Uh, because if, if you're going to get offered a job now, you're you're worth more. There's never been a time you need ZipRecruiter more than right now if you're trying to hire someone. I mean, the you know, the rates are rising as far as pay and hourly wages are going up. It's harder to find the people that you need. You have to use one of the, you, I mean, you have to use ZipRecruiter now. Now, ZipRecruiter has, um, you know, an algorithm that they apply that, that they figure out what you're looking for. And then it goes out and it searches those people. So they may not even be looking for a job, but it goes out and searches for those people and then invites them to apply for your job. And they're all highlighted at the best. So, you know, you, you're not going to miss the best applicants. All the other job sites, they just dump all of the resumes on your desk. That is not the case with ZipRecruiter because they know you're busy. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's a special address where you can try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The smartest way to hire. So, <coughs> excuse me. We've had a couple of um, we've had a couple of shootings uh, lately, um, and they have ended without mass casualties because of heroes. Um, and there was a, a vigil last night at the Highlands Ranch, uh, the the STEM school, Highlands Ranch uh, vigil there, and Laura Reeves from mom's demand action stepped up in the vigil to to address the crowd and here's what happened it is our new reality that we allow families to live in neighborhoods where gunshots can be heard at all hours of the day and that our preschoolers are regularly participating in active shooter drills and i'm also very disappointed to admit that all the generations before yours made this harder we became paralyzed by the nra we did not hold our elected officials accountable as they were loosening the sensible gun regulations that were keeping us safe. Instead, we chose to burden our youth with the responsibility of saving their own lives. We forced all of you to learn in an environment that's more closely resembling a prison than a school. None of this is right. We robbed you of your innocence. This caused several kids uh, to walk out of the vigil. Outside of the vigil, this is what it sounded like. Mental health! Mental health! Mental health! Those are students chanting mental health, mental health, mental health. This is, this is the answer that no one will talk about. Why we're not talking about it is beyond me. No, no, it's not. Sorry, I apologize. We're not talking about it because it doesn't give you any kind of political power to take away guns. But the problem is clearly mental health. The problem is something in our society has changed. Now, I've got opinions on what's changed in our society, but something has changed in our society. And... People are struggling, and they're not finding meaning in life. They're finding meaning in death. What's causing that? Taking the guns is only politicizing an issue that is too big to be ignored. And last night at the vigil, 
uh, several people said, I've had enough. Quote, we're people, not statistics. What many people don't know about socialism and socialized health care is that our own HHS secretary, Alex Azar, is actually helping the socialist cause by trying to let foreign countries dictate the price of our medicine here in America. Uh, this will inevitably leave to lead to shortages of vital medicines. Um, it, medical research will be set back. This is just bad. I don't know about you, but I don't want foreign governments meddling with my health care. That's not what I signed up for. Uh, FreedomWorks is doing everything they can to sound the alarm and stop socialized medicine in its tracks. But they need your help. If this is something that you feel passionately about, um, I think we all kind of feel passionately about socialized medicine. Um, please go to freedomworksforme.com and tell Secretary Azar to fix patients and not prices. Make no mistake, tying the prices of your medicine to other countries does not put America or your health care or the health care of your children first. Please go to freedomworksforme.org right now and tell Secretary Azar to stop. Freedomworksforme.org. Go there now. Freedomworksforme.org. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, this is big news for freedom. Yesterday, Dave Rubin's YouTube channel hit the 1 million mark. 1 million subscribers. To put that into perspective, he's now lapped. Uh, 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 he laps Iceland three times. There are countries that are not as big as 1 million YouTube subscribers. Uh, and it hasn't been easy. YouTube has uh, habitually demonized episodes of the Rubin Report. Yesterday, all of a sudden, his his count started going down. Well, that was YouTube saying, we think these people are bots. It turns out that YouTube has systematically been shredding his legitimate subscribers uh, and labeling them as bots, which makes his one million subscriber count all the more impressive. For independent, provocative thinkers like Dave Rubin, it is a constant battle. And this Dave is currently beating that Goliath. Dave Rubin joins us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, this is the last week that you can get the legal tender bar from Goldland, Goldline. Uh, these are amazing. Several years ago, I went to Goldline and told them I wanted a, a credit card size case where I could have some some gold that in case of an emergency that I, I would be able to take out, you know, one of these one tenth of an ounce gold pieces and and barter to be able to get home to my family or whatever. If, if things broke down, can, can, what do you do? What do you do? And I don't want a full ounce because a full ounce will be way too much. If things really went dark and all of a sudden our banking system is closed for a week, what do you have? Well, this is from the Royal Canadian Mint. They made these legal tender bars. It contains 10 individual one-tenth of an ounce pure gold bullion. They're legal tender bars. They're secured in this credit card barter case that slides open. It's easy to use. And everybody knows that it's legitimate gold because it is marked with the mint and the queen's face. Um, with 
unprecedented levels of U.S. debt, debt um, a, a possible recession at any time with the trade with China, with the volatility of the world. Please get this before they're all gone. This is the last week. They're almost all gone. Get them now. You can go to goldline.com or call 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Everyone should have at least one of these, I believe. Goldline.com, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Call them now. Dave Rubin, how are you, sir? Glenn, it's good to be with you. you. Where are you? Like the North Pole? This is the worst phone connection I've heard since my grandmother. Are we on a bad connection here? I am. I'm in my backyard at the moment because L.A. Uh, AT&T service is uh, is hit or miss. Yeah, well, wow, it's bad. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can shift into. No, no, no. It's fine. It just it just sounds like you're on using on like an old timey phone and a lot of hiss. It's like <laughs> I've got a person to person, coast to coast call for you, Mister Beck. Um, well, Glenn, I have to go on the assumption that you know I've been dealing with these problems with YouTube. That it must be the phone company coming after me too. That's right. <laughs> Congratulations on a million subscribers on YouTube, and I know you have taken uh, some pretty big risks. <laughs> Uh, recently uh, to stand up for your principles and and putting your eggs in the YouTube basket is really kind of a frightening thing. Uh, and it is paying off for you in some regard. Uh, I know that they demonetize you. If if you have anybody that is slightly to the right of Bernie Sanders, I, <laughs> I know they flag you immediately. Well, it, it's pretty crazy what they're doing. And, you know, this is a really, really interesting debate that we've discussed a little bit before where it, it's starting to push my libertarian side, which is my which is the core of what I am. Uh, it's pushing my libertarian side to its limits, because, look, these are private companies. And in my estimation, they can do what they want to do. Nobody's forcing me to be on YouTube. I'm voluntarily using their service. They provide. Uh, when it when they're doing it right and then people are getting your videos and they're staying subscribed and all those things, they're providing an incredible service and all of those things. So I, I say that primarily, but the next part is have these tech companies become so awesomely powerful that we actually can't even grapple with how much information they control, how much power they have, the the amount of uh, connections that they have with the government at this point. Uh, these are all things that we have to think about. And, you know, there is a seemingly really big push I'm seeing on the right right now from conservatives to ask for government intervention. Don't, 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 on, don't, don't. The big tech. Bad idea. Yeah. Bad idea. Well, so, so, look, I get why in the short term people think this will be good because it does seem that conservatives are getting banned more. But you have to always take, you know, a couple steps down the road with these things. And the point is, well, if you hand over the power to the government, I mean, first off, the idea that the government could run tech companies or regulate tech companies. I mean, when was the last time you were on a government website? It looks like AOL in 1994. <laughs> so so that, that, that's just like the easy version of it. But the real issue, of course, is that so let's say you hand over the power to the government to, to regulate or to be in charge of these tech companies or break them up or whatever it is. Well, the government now, a Trump you know, conservative presidency might be friendly to conservatives right now. 
But what happens if the Democratic Socialists get in power and now they've got the tech companies? We know they have the tech companies and now they've got the government, too. I mean, how quickly do you think they'll be banning all of the people that they deem to be, uh, you know, Nazis and white supremacists and the rest of it? So that's where, you know, I know you know this, but that, of course, is where you really have to be leery of of using power until the absolute last second. First of all, um, you know, regulation, you know, when when Mark Zuckerberg comes out and is begging for regulation, you know, it's in his best interest at Facebook to have regulation. And the reason why is because they will come to those people and those companies and say, how do we regulate? And they will write the laws, which will take all competition and crush any possible contender uh, to their throne. On top of that, if we get them and we we go to them and say, how do we regulate you? And they get their regulation. It will not only crush all competition, but on top of it, it will then make the Bill of Rights absolutely worthless because these are companies that are private. And so they do have a right. But if they're the backbone and because of regulation, that's really all our choice. They can ban any voice and you have nowhere to go because the Bill of Rights does not apply to them. It will apply to the government. So this is the the catch 22. And I think for people like us that put liberty before everything else, I think this is the tricky spot that we're in. Because look, but, uh, you know, Glenn, you built an incredible company using using digital uh, properties, right? Like I'm on YouTube. We use we do podcasts and all sorts of things. Now, the simple truth is uh, you probably have some extra protections because of the way you, I, I think you have a technology arm of the blaze. So some of your stuff yes. is proprietary. But which is which is actually probably the way all creators should be going ultimately. And I've been I've been researching a little bit into that. But the point is that right this moment, as we're talking, technically, there's nothing that I can do to stop YouTube from just shutting me off and and iTunes kicking me out and and the rest of it. And it's like that is that is a truly, truly awesome power that they have, especially as we know that all of this seems to be getting ramped up to 2020. So. It's putting all of us, especially the liberty-minded folks, in a, in a really weird position. And, and what I'm afraid of is I'm seeing too many conservatives, ju- you know, chomp at the bit here and say, you know, regulate, regulate, regulate. It's the wrong way and to go. It, 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 it will just be used together. Now, that being said, you know, creating the competition. So for, for people like us that believe in competition, right, we believe in human ingenuity. We believe we can, we can solve problems. And I would always rather the free market solve things. I mean, there's still a major issue here, which is that the amount of money and resources uh, to to solve these problems is so massive. And, you know, there's blockchain technologies and all sorts of interesting things that are that are still sort of years away from being mass adopted. So we're, we're just at a unique point. And, you know, hopefully hopefully those of us that are doing good work uh, and, and trying to get some truth out there, you know, hopefully it, it's not being turned against us just yet but you just don't know you really don't um dave i want to make a pitch for somebody um there is a guy who's wrote uh, who who wrote the book uh the history of the future his name is blake harris do you know who he is mm-hmm. uh, you know his name has come across every now and again i get i get messages suddenly and, and a few people have messaged me about him you need to have him on um i've had him on several times and the story that he tells, he's just like you. I mean, he was a liberal, and now he's kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't. Th- that's not what I bought into. 
This is I'm yeah. on the wrong side. Um, and and he's he's much more of a classic liberal, uh, very, very freedom minded. But he has the inside scoop of what's happening with Zuckerberg and Facebook. He has he has evidence of of laws being uh, broken by Mike, my, uh, by Mark Zuckerberg himself. Uh, it, it's it's incredible. And no one in the media is giving him any attention. And, you know, his his books, you know, one of his first book is being made into it was made into a movie and now a TV show. And Seth Rogen is in that, it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, interesting. You know, yeah, I do. I do know who he is. He's the guy that wrote the book about Oculus and some yeah. of the, yes. the internal yes. documents that were going around. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I will talk to him for sure, and it's super interesting. And, you know, that actually brings up a good point, uh, something that I was sort of tweeting about this morning, is that the other thing that we're seeing right now, you know, in, a, in an age of fake news, it's not just sort of the nonsense that the media puts out that, that's fake news and, and the manipulation and, you know, quotes where they literally take out the word not at the beginning of the sentence or yeah, any of right. that kind of stuff. It, it, it's also what they refuse to report on. So, for example, this week, you know, I'm sure you talked about it on your show, but Brian Sims, the state rep in Pennsylvania, who was harassing those, those yes. little girls outside yes. of the abortion clinic. It's like CNN did not even touch that story. And that is a type of fake news that we need to be aware of. You know, that that uh, the Muslim school in Philadelphia, where they were literally training jihadists, yes. kids as jihadists, yes. also in Philadelphia. It's like that wasn't touched. And it's like if you took the reverse of any of these where this was a Christian school or it was a Christian man harassing somebody else or a Republican or a conservative doing any of these things. If you just flip, if you flip the immutable characteristics on these things, the media would be in an outrage. So we need to really recalibrate how, how we're looking at media as a whole. It's why we, Uh, and that's of course directly related to all the stuff we're talking about with the tech companies. It's honestly why we have to talk to one another because we yeah. just assume that the Democrats that we might know, and I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the activists. I'm talking about just the average Democrat that we know. We think that they know these stories. And I did this with Riaz Patal, who is a, a guy who is, is very liberal. Um, and after the election, I brought him in and I said, let me show you these stories. I, I just picked like 10 or 15 stories. This is why we were so upset at Barack Obama. And I gave him the stories, and I think about eight out of those ten stories, and he's a well-informed guy. He had never heard of. He, yep. had, he was like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. And it was well, because huge... of, of the editing of the truth. Yeah, and this is the huge problem with, you know, look, we're all walking around with iPhones. We have access to information in an absolutely unprecedented way, a way that I think 20 years from now there will be many, many studies written on how this changed Oh, the yeah. human mind and human communication and all of these things. Uh, but, you know, there, there is a risk here in that, you know, 20 years ago when we had ABC, you know, CBS, NBC, you basically got the same stories out of, out of the three networks. Cable news then erupted and you got a little bit of a widening of that. And now we live in a time where the, there's basically no safeguards whatsoever. Now, I generally think that's a good thing. Uh, but the problem is that we're all catering it to ourselves and then yes the good because i believe and i know you do too there are still good liberals out there um but they 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 are having the wool pulled over their eyes and they don't hear these stories and then you know then they see us you know sort of ranting and raving about things and they go ah you know they're they're just nuts you know they're they're aiming the wrong way 
And it's like, this is why what I've always said is if the media would just do a decent job, mm-hmm. they don't have to do a great job. They don't even have to do a good job. Truly, I mean this. If they, would ju- if they would just be doing a decent job so that I could wake up every morning and look at Twitter and not realize that CNN either misquoted several people or, you know, absolutely ignored a story or whatever it is. If they would just not do that, then the bunch of us that are on the outside of this. Uh, that are doing this in a YouTube space or in a podcast space, we wouldn't have as much ammo. And I would actually prefer that. I, I would find something else to do with my life. I, I, I wouldn't would mind too. moving to a farm one day, you know? Yeah, me too. Me too. Dave, congratulations. Thank you so much. We'll talk again. God Thank bless. You, my friend. I'll see you soon. You bet. Uh, Dave Rubin from the Rubin Report. By the way, uh, support your hosts, your favorite voices on YouTube. And what you need to do is... Like, if you support us, go to my Glenn Beck page uh, and go to the Blaze page, subscribe, and then rate and review. Those two things help, uh, those three things help uh, the the other people um, discover it. People like you, it will help in the algorithm as much as those algorithms would ever help us. Uh, those things have to be done. So you subscribe, and then you rate, and you review. And that is what helps spread the word. Uh, do that with Dave Rubin. You can find him YouTube, Dave Rubin, Rubin Report, uh, Glenn Beck, and also The Blaze. Check it out and rate, review, and subscribe. All right. Real estate agents I trust.com. You know, reading uh, about the the exodus of Americans from heavily taxed areas in our country to states that embrace personal freedom and small government and lower taxes. If you're thinking about voting with your feet, you need to check out real estate agents. I trust.com, but I caution leave all your politics behind that cause the mess that you're currently experiencing. Learn before you move to a state and just wreck another state. Uh, like uh, like uh, Texas, these people are coming in from California and they they don't have any idea why the why they're moving to Texas. The company just decided to move to Texas. No, the the company decided to move to Texas because you can do business here because the people haven't wrecked it yet. Don't wreck it, please. Anyway, uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. We have a great agent where you currently live and will help sell your home for the top dollar and quickly We also will have a real estate agent on wherever you're moving, and they also think like you. They they they're they're from this audience and they're the best real estate agents in your area. We've done all the vetting. They have the best records. They've been in the industry for a long time. They're the best at what they do in your area. So go to realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're looking to move, buy or sell realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. You know, it's really, uh, there, there was an article in The Atlantic recently charting the percentage of Americans who dislike political correctness. You know what the poll found? Uh, most Americans can't stand political correctness. Overwhelmingly, most Americans cannot stand it, except one group. Progressive activists. 
progressive activists, the only ones that strongly back political correctness and only 30 percent see it as a problem. That's amazing. I mean, how is it ruling our society then? I know. I know. We all get on. T- I mean, it's not just progressive activists on Twitter trying to get everybody fired. Here's how it is. The study found that progressive activists, despite their obsession with socialism, their hatred of the patriarchy and disdain for the rich white men are overwhelmingly rich, white and overeducated men. Compared to the rest of the nationally representative polling sample, progressive activists are much more likely to be rich, highly educated and white. They are nearly twice as likely uh, as the average to make more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. They are three times as likely to have a postgraduate degree. And while twelve percent of the over overall sample in the study is African American, only three percent of progressive activists are African American. Now, where's the diversity there? <laughs> The reason why Twitter has so much power and such a left bias is because journalists have become masterful at using it as a feedback loop. Journalists use it as a source, a representation of public opinion, and Twitter users who are overwhelmingly and disproportionately progressive activists can enjoy a sense of power that they've clearly only dreamt of. So it becomes this feedback loop. That's why what Dave Rubin is doing. That's why what the blaze is doing. That's why, you know, Ben Shapiro and what he's doing and, and Steven Crowder and all of us. It's why this is so important because Twitter is not real life. It's not even represent uh, representative of of the actual population. And what is it? Four percent of all people on Twitter uh, are responsible for eighty percent of the tweets. Something like that. Maybe it might even two percent. Was it two percent? I can't. It was two or four percent responsible for eighty percent of the tweets. And remember, uh, that is not that many people are on, even on Twitter. I mean, it rules the new newscasts. Because it's easy for journalists. It's a, it's a lazy mm-hmm. journalism tool. How do I get mm-hmm. a quote about the story? I used to have to call. I used to have to, you know, get in touch with somebody. I used to have to make, you know, walk up to someone with a, with a, with a microphone. Now it's go to Twitter. What do they tweet about it? Okay, there it is. Pop it in the story. So journalists love it. It makes their lives a lot easier. But, I mean, it's a very small percentage of people who are even on Twitter, let alone following it closely. And that's what media is reflecting. Hmm. This is a, a parabolic dish. It's not a straight mirror. It's a it's a it's a distortion of reality. It's a funhouse mirror because that is not reflective of the American people. You're listening to Glenn Beck. You know, people say it can't happen here, but I'm telling you, it is happening here. We are running straight toward Venezuela. How could we possibly have Venezuela happening, Honduras, all of these countries just riddled with poverty? They're all rushing to our borders. Venezuela is in full-fledged collapse, and it is everything every leftist ever wanted they got in Venezuela. And how is it we're still running towards it? You don't think it can't happen here? It is happening here. Bernie Sanders is number two. And look at everybody else. They're all socialists. 
how do you avoid pain when these things start to get tough? Well, I suggest that you you have food storage. And my Patriot Supply are the people that I've always gone to, and they have a new website called preparewithglenn.com. They have a two-week emergency food kit right now at a special low price. You're going to save about 60, 70 bucks on it. It's preparewithglenn.com. Do it now. Dave Rubin is a great example. You can't trust YouTube. You have to have a place where you can go where you know content will be safe. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Join now. Well, we've had we've had some amazing guests on today. Uh, in case you missed any of the show, go back and listen to the the uh, podcast. We had John Douglas on. He is the original Mind Hunter. If you're if you've watched the Netflix show Mind Hunter, uh, you know exactly why that was a fascinating interview. Um, uh, he's he's going to come back. Uh, we we had about thirty five minutes with him, and I could talk to him for four hours. Uh, he is the author of the book Mine Hunter, uh, the and the new book, The Killer Across the Table. Uh, he has talked to every serial killer. He's the FBI guy that started behavioral science, uh, or really, really kind of made it what it is today. Um, so we had him on Dave Rubin just a second ago. We have uh, Blake J. Harris on uh, with us now. He is the author of the book, The History of the Future. And uh, and welcome to it. How are you? I am great. And in part, perhaps largely in part because of, of you guys and, and what you did for me to help get the word out about the book a few weeks ago. It really it's career changing and therefore life changing because my well, life my life is my career yeah that's that's nice of you to say but you deserve it the book is fantastic and if we lived in a fair world uh it would have been reviewed uh and would have been everywhere uh because of the information in it is phenomenal not only is it just riveting story about one of the greatest entrepreneurs uh i think in you know in the last five years at least and there's you know, we're talking about Elon Musk and, you right. know, some crazy entrepreneurs. Palmer Lucky, he's this guy who is, you know, was a kid and broke the code for uh, VR and, and came up with Oculus. Yeah, what, what were you guys doing when you were 19 years old? Yeah, not that. <laughs> I certainly wasn't starting a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you started to do that story uh, and halfway through... The election happens, and Palmer is for Trump, and all these things are started to be said by Facebook people and others uh, about Palmer. You know those things aren't true, uh, and you start to find out that some of the people that you really had high hopes on and Facebook and, and Mark Zuckerberg were not what you thought, and they were actually pretty nefarious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that in particular in two regards. One was with Palmer and the story that I was covering, uh, you know, said P Palmer posted that he would be supporting Gary Johnson in the 2016 election, um, which, by the way, he did end up voting for Gary Johnson, not <laughs> not of his own choice, but because it was suggested to him by the lawyers that because they had a, a trial coming up, it would be best for him to follow through you with his statement. You are me. Wow. I, I am not kidding you. So I guess it, I guess it wasn't a lie that he was supporting Gary Johnson. It just wasn't his own will, since the statement had been written by Mark Zuckerberg. 
And you have to tell the story about how you figured out it was not Palmer Lucky because this is I, this is just a great piece of journalism right here. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. He he wrote to me. I wrote you something, and he writes to me, and he's like, "By the way, uh, this because of the way you write your emails. This is how I figured out that Palmer had not written that." I'm like, "What? Yeah." So so what that actually means is that most people after. The end of a sentence will use one space after a period, but but people who grew up with typewriters and for some reason Palmer Lucky use two spaces. <laughs> and, you know, you use two spaces, and um and, and so Palmer's post in which he said he was going to be supporting Gary Johnson, which was suspicious to me anyway because I knew we had talked so many hours about why he was supporting Trump. Uh, Palmer's post had one space, which was the first time on any of his Facebook posts over the years that he had one space. So I thought that was suspicious. I obviously didn't know at the time that the reason why was because Mark Zuckerberg wrote that and he had to post it. But but that was really what set me off. So that was like my my one good Sherlock Holmes moment. Um, and, and I'm pretty proud of noticing yeah. that one. Yeah. Can, can we be clear here though, by the way, isn't, I mean, two spaces is the correct way, isn't it? Is it two? Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yes, it two is. Two spaces is right. Yes. That, well, and I'll also... The reason I was so aware of that was because when people leaked me emails, they oftentimes took photos of the emails and sent it to me instead of forwarding it because I would create a paper trail. And so I would transcribe these things. And Palmer was often on the threads of when people would share stuff with me. So I was used to it. But I would also say that John Carmack, who is one of the most brilliant people in the world and who helped discover Palmer and is now at Oculus... Uh, you know, he also uses two spaces. So I will probably concede that with two billion people plus you guys, I'm doing it wrong. Right, but it still okay. grinds my gears. It's just a little tap of one finger, man. I don't know why it's such an issue. So, so can you go back to the beginning of this a little bit? And Because it's one thing to say it's a great entrepreneurial story of a guy in a trailer coming up with something that the best people in tech had tried to do for a while and had basically given up on at that point. How on earth does he actually do this? What, how does he discover how to crack this code? Well, part of it is exactly what you said. And most of the people had given up on it. So he, Palmer is a, a genius and a great entrepreneur and all that. But it is partly just because he was one of, let's say, less than 100 people in the world who still cared, at, cared about and believed in virtual reality. And so, you know... It seems I, shocking. I mean, it just seems yeah. like such a, such a straight line sort of development when it right. comes to the way we're immersed in everything. And he's not, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to crack it because I'm going to get rich. Right. He really believed in it. Well, that's really the thing that I, I think that you find with most successful entrepreneurs or even the entrepreneurial side of writing is, you know, I had seven years as a failed screenwriter. And then when I finally wrote something the first time in my life, which was console wars, not for money. That was the thing that cracked because that was passion fueled. Right. Hmm. And Palmer, he's a he's a he's a gamer at heart, and so he just wanted to step into the screen and actually feel like he was in the game. So it was for his own selfish, passion filled reasons. And I was telling Glenn yesterday that the book starts in April 2012 when he starts Oculus and he connects with John Carmack and this whole crazy ride that ends with selling to Facebook for three billion dollars starts. But there's really a whole other story that is ignored by the three years before that of how he cracked this code and why he did it and all that. But, you know, 
it's not surprising in retrospect that he did because look what he's doing now. He has a new company, Onderal, and they are coming up with great border solutions. They're in the defense, the defense business. They're trying mm. to bring technological solutions to it. So, mm. you know, wow. lightning doesn't just happen to strike these people, you know, yeah. whether it's Elon Musk with Tesla and SpaceX, sure. you know, there's something about these kinds of people, whether it's their brilliance, their ability to get other people on board. Um, and Palmer Lucky is just one of those people that I know for the next 50 years, he's going to keep dazzling yeah. us. It's most likely their privilege. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you uh, know, it, it's true because to me, and I think to you too, this is the ultimate rags to riches story. This kid yeah, living in a yeah. trailer. And I remember somebody once posted something like that on Reddit. And there were people who said, oh, no, it's not a rags to riches story. He's in a white male privilege. Mm. And I'm like, he could have been anyone. Yeah. And and when John Carmack reached out to him, which set this whole thing in motion, John was reaching out to somebody, Palmer Tech. That could have been anyone. How could any of that have to do with something with this? But You're starting yeah. to sound like a conservative, and I won't rub that <laughs> I in. Apologize. Uh, I apologize. Uh, okay. <laughs> so um, uh, let me just talk about, uh, we, we were just talking about Dave Rubin and about how he's being sh- you know shut out, and they're trying to shut him down at, at YouTube. Um, Steven Crowder, the same thing is happening with him. Uh, you have you have had dealings with journalists in a completely different way. I mean, you you're a liberal, um, more of a classic liberal, I would think. But you considered right. yourself a regular straight ahead. Yeah, I've always voted Lincoln. Democrat since as far yeah. back as John Kerry. And then you uh, things have kind of changed for you because you're starting to see the same thing that we even found on our side. Holy cow, some of the people on our side really suck. <laughs> they <laughs> right. don't stand for what I thought we all stood for. Right. Um, and can you can you go over some of the emails that yeah, you yeah. had? I brought some uh, some gifts. So there's a, <laughs> I, I pulled these up because there's a great article on Niche Gamer by Sophia Narwitz, who's uh, a games writer, and she was curious about my interactions and dealings with journalists and to her credit, was the only person who reached out to me about it. So I was happy to share my experiences. And so I pulled up some of my emails from, from private conversations that I had had with, with game and tech journalists who I considered either friends or you know peers, colleagues. I had a good relationship with them. And um, they were asking you about, okay, come on, tell us. He's really a, <clears throat> a racist or whatever. And, and right. you were answering them honestly, and they really didn't have any intent of listening. Right. The one that I was telling you about yesterday was I, I actually spent two hours on the phone with someone who I considered a friend. I mean, I was spending two hours on the phone with him, and he was asking if Palmer was a white supremacist. And I said, I can't tell you what's in his heart, but as someone who knows him probably better than anyone in the world but his girlfriend, no, absolutely no. You know, you can go back to the start of Oculus. The first three three people he hired were an Asian guy, an Indian guy, and, and a bisexual guy. Like, you know, he just doesn't care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 at the end of this call, the the person said, "Well, I guess I get what you're saying, but where's the smoking gun? I want the proof that he's not a white supremacist." And I said, "How can I give you the proof that he's not something that he isn't?" Um, and then here was a few a few responses I got while just reaching out privately to journalists after I had done this research and said for years, yeah, and said you guys were wrong. Like you should correct your article, or or do you have any like. Or tell me your pushback for why you think I'm wrong, because I don't want to publish this book if I'm missing something. And these articles, were just to, to reset this part of it, because he, he, people had blamed him after yes. he had come out and supported Trump. And, and it was not even a, in a major public way, but he had made a small donation to one uh, you know uh, political organization and had appeared at one rally where he wasn't hiding, but he wasn't like a main featured speaker or anything. Right. 
the issue the issue was largely that the organization he donated to people would say oh it, it was not just a harmless organization this, this organization nimble america their plan was uh, their actual plan was to put up billboards across america meme like billboards yeah. just like more like younger funny yeah yeah mm-hmm. certainly nothing offensive about them but people said people interpreted that as that they were going to put up hateful that they had put up hateful memes across the internet and, and this and was first of all a journalism error like they, i mean like right quite they clearly put he, up one he was not billboard. yeah in the, in the entire history of nimble america they put up one billboard ever <laughs> and it was and, and what did it say it said controversially too big to jail and it had a picture of hillary clinton Okay. Certainly so not. Totally yeah, I mean, I, okay. So let's and, go to the. And, yeah, and 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 um, it, it's really crazy. You know, the headline that first came out was Facebook billionaire secretly funding Trump's meme machine, and awful. Then within an hour, a few hours, then the next headline was Facebook billionaire secretly funding Trump's racist meme machine. All the while, there was no incidence of actual memes. This organization was five days old, and the funniest <laughs> thing of all is that. You don't need to pay people to make memes. If Palmer wanted to be a <laughs> right, troll campaign, he, he's, he's smart enough to figure out how to do it without paying $10,000. Okay, hang on. We're going to take a quick break, okay. and then we're going to come back with Blake Harris, uh, who will read and share some of these uh, thoughts from, uh, quote, journalists. All right, first, let me tell you about um, uh, Norton Security. Um, Norton's been known as you know keeping us safe for a, a very long time. Uh, they are now have uh, a uh, a new service that is a VPN. VPNs are you know you've you've seen them in every movie. We're like trace the trace the find out where that's coming from, and they trace it, and it goes all over the world. That's what a VPN does. It it basically makes sure that nobody can track you or or grab your stuff um, at least easily. It really. It really is important on who you get your VPN from. Like, for instance, Facebook had introduced a VPN. Oh, oh thank you, Facebook. You're the one I'm concerned about. <laughs> uh, anyway, Norton now has a VPN. It's $3.33 a month. You sign up for the year, um, it, and it's coming from Norton, so you know you can trust it. They don't track you. They don't They don't keep any of the information. It's Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. We're with uh, Blake Harris, author of The History of the Future, uh, and you were going to share some uh, some, so these were, some these journalist were, responses. Yeah, these were, um, with the success of my first book, which had me mention, you know, making best gamer of the year lists and all that stuff and being really well respected in the gaming and tech communities, I had a lot of friendships or relationships with tech journalists, and so I reached out to them. Because I also didn't want to publicly embarrass them of their errors with Palmer Lucky. At least at first, I wanted to give them the chance to correct it or mm-hmm. hear their side of the story. So mm-hmm. this was one who's an editor at one of the top gaming sites explaining why. He said, the Trump agenda is so horrid on its face that the way the coverage, that the way this played out justified the coverage and the reaction to Palmer Lucky. So even though the news reports were not accurate, the fact that wow. Palmer's a Trump supporter justifies the inaccuracies. Mm. Wow. That is um, incredible. This, this is someone who didn't air personally, but I was asking his perspective. He's he's a reporter at one of the top tech sites, and I explained he, this was his. Um, he said, "I think the Palmer news just came at a really awful time, and Silicon Valley was looking for a Trump scapegoat because Peter Thiel was seemingly bulletproof, so they couldn't get Peter." Because wow. he's his own boss, but they can get Palmer, oh who, by the gosh. way, now is his own boss because he doesn't ever want this to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> and then this last one was just this was not a personal message. This was a public message on Facebook by a journalist, a tech journalist at one of the top business sites. 
and and this was the day after the election. He said, I no longer trust the media. And also, I'm a professional journalist at a major media outlet. Ask me anything. And so that was, I thought that was important because that was kind of like me. I felt like, wow, I had always trusted the media. I'm part of the media in some way. And that really led my introspection was Trump winning, realizing, okay, maybe what I was hearing was not true. And I went on this journey over the past few years. Apparently, this guy didn't. or you know, th- th- yeah. This guy is representative of so many folks who, instead of trying to understand the other side, instead of listening, instead of trying to think, have I messed up? They just doubled down. Yeah. Mm. Which isn't good. <laughs> Which is not good. Not a way to run a civilization. No. And you know what? If my brother doubled down, I would say, you're being an idiot. But these are journalists. It's, it's their job to not double down. It's their job to say, am I wrong? Or it's their job to actually, you would have thought, like, this is an even juicier story with Zuckerberg coercing an executive to lie about his politics. Who cares if I was wrong? This is an even sexier story, but it's not sexy in the right direction. So yeah. it's hmm. not interesting. Blake, I, I commend you for being so honest um, and and just doing the right thing. It it shouldn't be commendable to do the right thing, but it is in today's world because so few are doing it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. The name of the book is The History of the Future, a must read. It is riveting cover to cover The History of the Future. Okay.